Hi, this is Life Coach David. Thanks for listening. I'm a certified and very experienced Law of Attraction Life Coach. And you can find out more about me at lifecoachdavid.com. We've been talking about the book, Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting. And there's some wonderful information. So I hope you've been listening to previous podcasts and using it in your life. Because when you apply the techniques... It really works, and you set yourself up to attract what you want. You set yourself up to feel happier, and that saying, once you live your life from a law of attraction point of view, it only gets better, is totally true. And before I start continuing from the book, I just wanted to share with you, sometimes when you eat something, it just makes you feel so good. It raises your vibration. And I call that a high vibration food. And for me, sometimes it's a particular dessert because I love desserts. But I had tamales the other night at a Mexican restaurant. And they were so good. So good. And I wasn't even going to eat all of it. I thought, well, I'll just have one more bite. Oh, I'll just take one more bite because it tastes so good. Oh, I'll just take a little bit more. And guess what? Before I knew it, (laughs) I finished it. The whole plate, it was just that good. So I like when a food can raise your vibration. And for me, those tamales the other night were so good. I don't want to keep talking about food because then I'll get hungry. But I'm going to continue reading today from Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting. And we're starting a new chapter today. It's called Relationships and Other Treasures. And here we go. Much of this chapter I'd rather forget about since the subject of intimate relationships relative to deliberate creating is not one to which I can speak personally. My superb resume encompassing some 40 or 50 years of relationships comes from my pre-energy flowing days and shows it. I was a victim extraordinaire, an unrealistic romantic, a first-class codependent, and a roaring Miss Goody Two-Shoes. So much for my outstanding track record with relationships. Be that as it may, I'll pass on the basic tenets of creating meaningful relationships through energy flow, as the process is no different from creating anything else. For in truth, any time we have an alliance, to whatever extent, with anyone or anything, that constitutes a relationship. So here we go. And this next section is called, It Ain't the Dorky Habits. And there she goes again with a funny title, but I'm sure there's some good information there. So here's, It Ain't the Dorky Habits. Relationships, be that with a spouse, a partner, a friend, or a business associate, are like everything else in our world about how we are vibrating, period. And how we are vibrating is coming from how we are feeling, period. That being the case, it's not going to take a genius to figure out that if we're feeling anything other than at peace with ourselves, as well as totally allowing and appreciative of our partner, our vibrations are going to be slicing away at that relationship, no matter how much we're convinced that since there's nothing wrong with us, it must be the other guy's fault. If we are verbally or mentally accusing berating, or disapproving in any way, we are attracting negativity. 
If we are feeling trapped, ignored, or neglected, unsafe, misunderstood, or shortchanged, we are attracting negativity. If we race in to please, rescue, or placate, we are attracting negativity. And I can already hear the, yeah, but, yeah, but you don't know my partner. Yeah, but how would you feel if you had to live with this one or work with that one? Now, granted, when two people are involved, there are two doing the vibrating, and rarely do those vibrations match. Nonetheless, we are the sole and exclusive creator of our experience, not our partner, not our parents, not even the boss who just got us fired. So as hard as it may be to swallow, it becomes a matter of looking at our own valve, our own reactions, our own focus, our own energy flow, because as long as we're glaring somewhere else, past or present, at all the stuff we don't like, not only are we inviting more of the same, we're blocking all the good things we'd like to see in its place. The bottom line is, if our partner or anyone else who classifies as a relationship has some dorky little habits that annoy us, and we focus on them with even moderately closed valves, all we're doing is perpetuating the dorky habits we'd like to erase because we're holding them in our vibration. And therein lies the cause of every downward spiral of any relationship that ever went sour. The relentless, though surely innocent, attention to disagreeable conditions, no matter how meaningless they may appear to be. As any small, unimportant aggravation begins to snowball into something major from our continued focus and negative energy flow toward it, we'll start to get more of other unpleasant things on the same wavelength, as well as enlarge the petty thing we've been focusing about. That means not only will that infamous toothpaste cap never get put back on the tube, but that very irritation has the potential with our constant negative focus to escalate into an unwanted extramarital affair, a fender bender, a layoff, even a divorce. The worse it gets, the worse it gets, remember? A constant flow of annoyance over anything will sooner or later turn ugly. It must, because like attracts like. Sure, when someone is pushing our buttons, Every ounce of us wants to push back, but it's never about what we do in a relationship that equals what we get. Never. It's not even about how our partner is flowing energy. Like everything else in our world, whatever it is we have in our face has come squarely from how we ourselves have been feeling, flowing, and vibrating. There's just no other way to put it. If you want to change the conditions of your relationship, you're going to have to change your vibration. And that's the end of that little section. And it's a great reminder that we have to be focused on how we're vibrating, how high or low we're vibrating is affecting what we're attracting. And another way of saying that is how good we're feeling or how low bad we're feeling is affecting what we're attracting, even within our relationships. So let's go on to the next section. And this is called, The Culprit is Blame. Most of us think of blame as a melodramatic pointing of a long, crooked finger towards one who has done scandalous wrong. 
yet we're actually into blame just about every waking moment of our days. From weather to rude drivers to toothpaste caps, we blame from sunup till sundown and never think a thing about it. Oh sure, more times than not, we're probably justified in our accusations, but so what? There's not an ounce of well-being that can squeak through the low, thick vibration of blame, whether it's justified or not. In fact, the electromagnetic energy of blame is so potently charged as it flows from us to others, it can cause those who are usually fairly dependable to mess up all over the place. And for sure, sending blame energy to someone who's been nasty, stupid, abusive, or drunk only amplifies the condition you'd like to see change. Some friends who had their luggage put on a wrong flight were fuming and stewing for hours at their hotel over the inefficiency of the airline. Their important luggage, which had been seen but had now vanished, was so completely lost no one even knew where to start looking. Finally, my friends realized what they were doing and switched to appreciating the usually competent employees they'd been berating. Within minutes, and I really mean minutes, they received the call that the luggage was found and would be delivered within an hour. Prior to their change of attitude, the buckets of angry, blameful energy they were sending out was causing the airline workers to turn a minor incident into a snarled-up mess. A lender to whom I had submitted a loan called to tell me they couldn't find an important original paper I knew I had sent. As I was crabbing over the incompetence of their staff, the phone calls kept getting worse. More stuff missing, more facts not properly documented, more problems, problems, problems. The more I knee-jerked into fuming blame, the more this thing was falling apart right before my eyes. Then I realized what I was doing. I switched to appreciation for the normally efficient personnel, and in less than 15 minutes, they called to apologize. Everything was there. The loan had been approved. A participant in one of my seminars couldn't stop blaming her husband for what she perceived to be the cause of their twin stuttering. After the seminar, she reluctantly agreed to undertake a program of brief hubby appreciation periods daily. She called about six months later to tell me how difficult that had been at first, but as she got into the swing of it, she learned to catch herself at the onset of blame and get her valve open enough to flow some appreciation to the girls as well as to her husband. As of the last phone call, both of the girls have nearly returned to normal speech. I don't know what happened to poor hubby. The point is, the energy of blame always makes a bad situation worse. Always. Let's say there's a bunch of things in a partnership we don't like. Some are big, some just trivial little things we might even think we're ignoring, but little does not exist, and little is usually our biggest problem. If something is big enough for us to label, even if that label is little, there's no way we can say we're ignoring it or accepting it. We're focusing on the bloody thing, so obviously we're flowing energy to it and making it bigger. The bottom line is that if we're bothered by something, 
Whether our being bothered is justified or not, we're attracting negativity. That's the way of it. It may be only a mild annoyance over clothes hung backwards, or it may be as terrible as the fear of abuse. But regardless of the emotional intensity, the negative attention to what is will always cause even greater problems because that's the script we're writing. True, we can't paint on another's canvas if they don't want it painted on. If someone doesn't want to change, writing a new script or appreciating probably won't accomplish much except get our own valve open. In fact, once we're flowing that kind of energy, the strong possibility exists that the other guy may buck like a spurred... <laughs> she has some funny words. I'm going to try to read it. The strong possibility exists that the other guy may buck like a spurred yearling and not want any part of whatever it is we're offering, which could well mean we might be looking at a pulling apart. That's magnetics. If you're with someone who strongly desires not to change and you do, universal physics will probably split you up and keep you that way. Yes, that may sound fearful, but ask yourself why you'd want to stay with someone who creates their life through negative energy flow. So never mind your partner's valve. In fact, never mind your partner. Take your focus off of what's going on around you and insist to yourself that you get your own valve open any way you can, no matter what. The only way you'll ever have a relationship the way you'd like it to be is to script it that way and stay with that script until it comes about, either with this partner or another with whom you're in greater vibrational harmony, which means, if you haven't already guessed, being a whole lot happier. You get to choose. If you're a silent sufferer, as I was, good luck. Whatever it is you're suffering over is growing like an overfed weed. Same thing if you're a controller, nagger, worrier, or people pleaser. You have to take your relationship-killing focus off whatever it is that's closing your valve and put it onto what you want in life. In other words, take your focus off your don't-wants, put it on your wants, and keep it there. If you've got a drunk on your hands, open your valve and write your new script. If you've got an unemployed partner on your hands, open your valve and write your new script. If the two of you are fighting over money, open your valve and write your new script. Start talking with your partner about what you want and why, not what you don't want and why. I know I'm sounding very cavalier about this, like there is nothing to this business of ignoring the actions of some jackass who you're sure is responsible for making your life miserable. Blame is our game, and pointing the finger back on ourselves has always seemed so pointless. In the middle of writing this chapter, I took a break to do some grocery shopping and maybe go to the steam bath to clear my head. I wanted to leave the subject behind for a while to make sure I was touching all bases. Leave it behind? Oh, sure. As I was driving to the store, I started a rather nasty inner dialogue with the folks who were renting the little house on my property. They had been unable to pay the rent for a couple of months, and my focus on that non-payment was becoming all-consuming, to say the least. And anyhow, 
The car was a great place to fume, so I was going on and on with all these phony undertones of compassion and understanding. Frankly, I was boiling, yet totally oblivious to what I was creating with my vibrations. And here I am writing about it for Pete's sake. Fortunately, it was my cantankerous mood in the supermarket that woke me up. Just as I reached for the dog food, it dawned on me how snarly I felt. I asked myself, what's bothering me? And in an instant, I realized it was my focus on the lackful conditions of my tenants. At first, I was annoyed at myself, then even more annoyed that I didn't feel like getting out of my mood. I finished my shopping and headed straight for the steam room, easing myself bit by bit into a better mood as I drove, so that by the time I hit the steam, I was ready to write a new script. First, a little appreciation, like something like, Nice kids, they're pleasant to have around. Not exactly raha, but better than where I had been. I could feel my resistance simmering down even a little. Thank goodness they were there to take care of the dog while I was away. No other tenants have ever done that, and no other tenants have ever offered to help with the annual house painting touch-up like they did, and thinking that felt better. And they really do love their place and have it fixed up so cute. By now, my valve was open enough for me to start the new script, so I headed for the empty pool where I could quietly talk out loud without being stared at. And I thought this, you both just got new jobs. Wow, that's fantastic. I'm truly happy for you. I know you've been wanting to buy some new furniture, so now you'll be able to do that. And on and on I went, painting the picture I wanted, backing off when I go too far and it didn't feel comfortable, pushing ahead when it felt good. It wasn't 10 minutes after I got home that the kids came over beaming from ear to ear. Not a new permanent job yet, but they had found an ongoing means to pay me, starting immediately. Fast action to say the least. Though they had been abundantly aware of their inability to pay me, their primary focus was on their love of the place and all the ways they intended to fix it up, not on their lack of money, so we had a vibrational match. Theirs and mine. If they had been focused fearfully, all the appreciation in the world wouldn't have made a bit of difference. And that's the end of that little section. And I think it's great. I mean, she's a very good manifester. A lot of times through this book, she tells these stories of where she just rewrites the script to what she wants, and she reduces the tension between her and whoever she's talking about, and then very quickly things change for the better. So those are great examples. And this next section is called Vibrational Ping Pong. One of my first jobs after I got out of college was in New York City working for what was at the time the largest catalog photography house in the world. They did all the fashion shots and most of the still life photos for Sears and Montgomery Ward. The best part of my job was working with the stylist, the girls who had to make sure the clothes fit just right by stuffing everything from rolling pins to beer cans in all the right places. Day in and day out, the top male and female models of the day whizzed through our studios. I didn't pay much attention to them, but there was one striking, tall, willowy redhead who seemed to be the constant 
butt of everyone's jokes. Each time she'd breeze in, by the time she was ready to leave, a whole new round of wisecracks were circulating through the office before she was out the door. It seemed this girl had a revolving boyfriend problem, so revolving that each time she showed up for a shoot, which was several times a week, she'd either be wailing about the last one or in ecstasy over a new one. She was like a ping-pong ball, breaking up every time the ball crossed the net. That bastard, she said, he wouldn't return one of my calls. He's just like all the rest. So engrossed in his own petty world, he has no time for mine. He seems to have time for his own girlfriends, though. All she could do was blame, 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 and attract so many more clones so fast it became the standing corporate joke. Off and on, someone felt a twinge of compassion and said something like, How can such a beautiful girl like that have such a string of bad luck? With all she's got going for her, how could that happen? String of bad luck? No. This beautiful young woman was attracting from her old vibrational script her old habitual way of viewing men. Her script never changed. She knew she could attract men like bees to honey, and indeed she did, but they all ended up being the same kind, attracted by what she was continually vibrating. As each poor clone would turn up, only to pass into extinction, she'd flow out yet another litany of negativity and of don't wants to attract the next one and the next one and the next. Since her dominant vibration regarding her string of ex-boyfriends was always that rotten person, that's all she ever attracted, rotten person replicas. The blame she held in her memories sent out such powerfully magnetized vibrations, there was never a chance for a different kind of relationship to activate. And that's the end of that section, and that is so true. And think about in your own life, are you thinking about something in the same way that you keep attracting it to yourself? And if you are, and it's something you don't want, then change the way you think about it. Tell yourself a better, more positive story so you attract more of what you want instead of what you've been attracting. And the next section is called, To Forgive as to What? First comes blame, and then comes what? Forgiveness, maybe, maybe not. It goes without saying that the exalted position of forgiveness can come about only after one has first convicted, which means the way we usually look at forgiveness is not much different than blame which means we rarely genuinely forgive. Something happens, somebody says something, and then like the trained seals that we are, we vibrationally bark back. If we let it go at that, we'd be in great shape, but we continue to allow our negative emotions to spill out all over the place, and bam, we're into the blame mode. But now, let's say that we've decided to forgive somebody. How nice. Here's the flash. Forgiveness is a releasing of our resistance to positive energy, not the transgressors at whom we are so benevolently aiming our forgiving smile. Forgiveness is about forgetting the thing ever happened in the first place. Ho, ho, ho. Usually when we forgive, we are acknowledging that whomever we're forgiving has done a wrong, which is probably true. Then, even though we say we forgive, we secretly hold on 
to the dastardliness of the wrong. Yet true forgiveness is about no longer holding on or stewing over or focusing on the thing that got us all riled up to begin with. And that holds true whether it happened five minutes ago or 50 years ago. And why is that? Because unless we let it go, we'll keep getting more of it. That's why. If we hold on to it, it's in our vibration. And if it's in our vibration, we're either going to attract it or something similar in vibration over and over and over. If there's a need to forgive, there had to be judgment or blame preceding that need. Otherwise, there'd be no reason to forgive. And judgment or blame means we're focusing on a don't want. So the first step in forgiving and you're probably not going to like this, is releasing the resistance that caused the blame in the first place, meaning the ability to say and really mean, who cares? Who gives a hoot? Maybe the idiot did do something awful, something really tasteless. So what? What we're talking about now is honest-to-God, unconditional love something I'm sure not 1 in 50 million of us have ever understood. I didn't. I always thought unconditional love meant you love somebody in spite of what a degenerate they were, which of course meant I was still focusing on the degenerativeness, holding it in my own vibration. What unconditional love really means is, I will keep my valve open to well-being no matter what crazy thing you've done. Remember, you don't have to change it or even like it. You just have to stop focusing on it. It means I don't need conditions to be just right to be happy. I'm not going to pay any more attention to your silly habits because I don't need everything to be perfect for my love to flow to you. You can be nasty. You can say heartful things. But your choice does not affect my choice, which is to keep my valve open and feel good. I am no longer blaming any negative conditions and or your negative habits for the way I feel. Sure, I know that sounds nearly impossible, but what's it going to take for us to allow happiness? The neat thing about getting into this space of, I don't give a hoot what you do or did, my valve is staying open anyhow, is that you are automatically allowing the kind of conditions to come in that you want is that you're automatically allowing the kind of conditions to come in that you want, definitely the name of the game. You are no longer hinging how you experience life on the action of others. Let me say that again. You are no longer hinging how you experience life on the action of others. Am I saying to forgive an abuser? No, not in the old sense, never. To forgive in the old normal way means you're still holding the wrong in your vibration and inviting more of the same. I'm saying forget it. Get your own valve open, write a new script, and vibrate your way out of that mess. Am I saying to forgive an adulterer? No, not in the old way. If the agreement between the two of you is monogamy, I'm saying forget it and get your own valve open if you don't want it repeated in this relationship or the next. Either you're going to vibrationally pull in the harmony you desire, or a new mate. So am I saying, don't forgive? Good gravy, no. On the contrary, 
I'm saying forgive at the drop of a hat. Do I forgive you? Of course. Now what's next? That's a long, long way from, well, I don't know, honey. That was a pretty awful thing you did. Even a little bit of forgiving at a time will work. Then a little more and a little more if that's the only way you can do it. But one thing's for sure, unless you want more of the same, forgiving ultimately means forgetting. The plain fact is, focusing on what you don't want in a relationship is never going to get you what you want. Never in a billion years. For a relationship to change to your liking, it's gotta be focus off the condition, focus onto opening your valve. That's the only way your unwanted conditions are ever going to change and the only way your relationship will survive. And that's the end of that section. And you know, being that aware and that forgiving would definitely take time and practice, but it's so worth it because you want to attract a wonderful relationship, whether it's with who you're with now or somebody new. So you've got to forget. You've got to write a new script about what you want, the kind of relationship you want, who you want to be with, how you want to feel, so you can attract who you want and be in a wonderful, loving relationship. So I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And again, I suggest you re-listen to it because there was a lot of really good information there that you can apply to your own life. And if you're considering some wonderful Law of Attraction life coaching from me, you can go to lifecoachdavid.com and contact me through there. And most importantly, do your best to just enjoy your day. The more you enjoy your day, the more you're going to attract circumstances, experiences, and other people that are going to support you enjoying your day. So thanks for listening to the Law of Attraction podcast. Have a high vibration day and tune in to the next episode.